Good morning again to you all, especially if you're here for the first time. And Happy New Year to you. It's good to gather together and to praise the name of the Lord and uh, talk to the Lord as, as well as the Lord talking to us. It's been rightly said that when you read the Bible, the Bible is reading you as well. It's good. Let's have a further word of prayer, shall we? Loving Father, we bless you, Lord, as we come together, O oh Lord. Feed on your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit of the promise, Lord, will lead and inspire your word that is already blessed, that it will be, we will be blessed by your word that is already blessed. We pray that, Lord, you will edify your body, refresh us, Lord, and give us the strength for the year ahead. This we ask in the name of Jesus. We also, Lord, commit unto your holy hands, Brother John, who is ministering in Guilford, we pray that, Lord, he will be a blessing, Lord, to the brethren there. And that, Lord, you will speak through him and that the church will be edified as well there. For you are the one who work all in all. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We will try to continue the topic we started last time. I said God, permanent truth, but I think Brother Dennis found a better word on the website. <laughs> uh, God, enduring truth. That's much better. <laughs> you remember how we shared about the conversation between the Lord Jesus and Pontius Pilate. How Pontius Pilate asked the Lord, what is the truth? And the Lord revealed to him that he, had, he was born, came in this world to bear witness to the truth. And how Pontius Pilate was so challenged that he went outside and declared that he found no fault in Jesus Christ. You see, we say truth is pure. Truth is not afraid. Truth is stable and permanent. Truth is absolute. We also say that truth, God's truth, has many enemies as well. We say there are people who have committed all their lives to try and suppress the truth of God. All their lives dedicated to that purpose, fight, suppress the truth of God. But the truth of God will remain and will stand forever. It endures forever. So let's do our first reading in Romans, Romans chapter 1, 
from verse 18 to verse 27. That's Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 27, and then 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men. And bird and four-footed animals and creeping things. Verse 24. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even the women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise, also men, the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust for one another, Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to those things which are not fitting. Verse 32 who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Dear brethren, it is a concerted effort to hurt God. In the full knowledge that these things are punishable. These things attract God's judgment. Not only they practice these things, but they promote them, exalt and approve those who practice the things described here, including widespread idolatry. So God is saying that Every human being is without excuse. Everybody knows. Why do you think Cain ran away after killing Abel? Because God has given a conscience. Because God has put a law within every human being. 
In French it says, God has put in every human the thought, the mind of eternity. So everyone lives and knows that there is something. We are accountable and we fight and we try to suppress our conscience. I'm talking about the heathen, the people who hate God. But how do they suppress the truth? The Bible says, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So by promoting lawlessness, iniquity, it is a way of suppressing the truth. By making people comfortable in sin, it is a way of suppressing the truth. What else? Humankind have exchanged God's truth with a lie. A lie. And we know who is the father of lie. Father of lie in the sense of being the originator of lie. You will not die. You will be like God. You evolve from animal. Truth is relative, etc. There is no God, even. And then there is the worshiping of created being. This really hurts God. But ultimately, humankind is kicking against the gods. Those who are rebelling against God will find one day that it was to their own detriment. Not God. God doesn't need salvation. God is eternal. But he so loved the world. You see, before, Brother John is going through the book of Ephesians, and he taught us in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2, and he keep, he keep on going back on chapter 1 because it's very important what God has done and what was God's plan from before the foundation of the world that he should create human beings in his likeness to dwell, to live with them eternally and then something terrible happened sin entered the world and that relationship with our creator was broken a tragic accident. Because the Lord had the purpose from the foundation of the world that he would create us and live with us eternally, he, would, he could have just left us and created something or someone else. No. Because he so loved us that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that God will continue with his eternal plan to live with us. That's the kind of love we're talking about here. He could have decided otherwise. They are doomed, that's all. I'm going to create someone or something else. But no. He wanted to fulfill his original plan he had set according to the counsel of his will. 
Well, God will have the final say and will destroy all his enemies. He will. The Antichrist, the false prophet, the Babylonian system, the woman riding the beast, etc., from Revelation 17, Satan himself, death and the Hades, all those are God's enemies and will be destroyed. And the Bible does say that the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. You see, death is the enemy. It's a very fierce enemy, terrible, frightening enemy. The Bible says that Christ came to deliver those who were all their life captive and living in fear of death. Death is a terrible enemy. If you think yourself, well, getting dragged into it, I want, I try very hard to avoid this corona thing, but it just come again. Well, I've have all this note for you about, about the last update on corona. Try to stay aware of it, but it's just coming. <sighs> we can't help. You ask yourself, what's the main issue with corona? What, what, what are we afraid of? <laughs> Is it the mark of the beast? Or the damage the vaccine is going to do to our cell, to our DNA, to die. <laughs> we, get, we come back to that later on, God willing. Okay. Very difficult, I'm telling you. I couldn't concentrate on my topic because this corona thing is going in my head and has taken all my time. And I couldn't do what I was supposed to do for you this morning in terms of just continuing my topic. Because it seems that when you want to talk about the mark of the beast and the Antichrist, then the corona comes in and the vaccine comes in and the animal tissue and the unborn baby tissues. I'm telling you, the number of emails and WhatsApp and video and question and discussion online well, I can't keep up anymore, but it's there. Some questions are genuine, some of them are just out of fear. But we go to do something. You can't ignore corona in your prayers. You can't. It's there. It's a fact. Please turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And we're reading from verse 1 to verse 8. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Verse 3. And I saw one of his head as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. 
So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Verse 5. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose name have not been written in the book of life of, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives, he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted the power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Verse 18, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, his number is 666. Amen. The Antichrist. Dear brethren, the Antichrist, it's not, it's not a, a Christian fabrication. It's not a story that is made up to scare people. No. It is a reality. Before I move forward, before I go further, just want to draw your attention on verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I have a question here. Is your name written in the book of life of the Lamb? Yes or no? Yes? Yes. It should be a resounding yes. Because of what John Wesley called the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. 
It is the Holy Spirit who is witnessing to us that we belong to Jesus. Because if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. That's what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit makes the whole difference. The spirit of God. The people who will take the mark here, the people who will worship the Antichrist, meaning the devil, because the Antichrist will have all the power of the devil at his disposal, and people worshiping the Antichrist, the beast, the son of perdition, the lawless one, will actually be worshiping the devil. And those are the people who will have the mark of the beast. The reason I'm insisting on this is because there are some practical, current, and personal implications in this. Believers are very worried about the mark of the beast. I'm jumping a little bit. I'm getting to my conclusion almost. Because it is important in case I run out of time. The Bible says that we have been sealed by and with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. We have been sealed by and with the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our redemption. So the Holy Spirit will maintain us until the Lord returns. But meanwhile, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, not with the mark of the beast. Can we belong at the same time to the devil and to God? Can anyone belong at the same time to the devil and to God? We will know the truth and the truth will set us free. If we don't understand these things accurately, then we will live in fear. When the Lord introduces us to the Father, he says to the Father, here I am with the ones you've given to me. I've lost none of them. Does that make sense? Well, we live in difficult time. Only the word of God can sustain us. We did not receive a spirit of fear, of timidity. The spirit of God by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are not demons, worshippers. 
We are not sitting there waiting for the Antichrist. We are not sitting there waiting to receive the mark of the beast. The whole body of Christ receiving the, the mark of the beast. Really? With Christ interceding for us in heaven? Dear brethren, let's wake up. Let's be careful with what we listen. Even though some theories, some teaching have an appearing of being biblical, etc., let's come back to the Bible itself and see what the Bible says, not what people are saying on YouTube, so-called prophets. Prophecy looks forward, not backwards. The Bible says all these things will be the beginning of the sorrows. And when we see these things beginning to unfold, do what? Be dismayed. Look up for your redemption draws near. That's the attitude we're supposed to have. Not like this. Like this. Looking to the Lord God. And being strengthened. Remember what I said the other day. If death comes, it comes. But it will only come if the Lord allows it. Fear he who can destroy both this body and send your soul and spirit in the Gehenna. That's the one who needs to be feared. God. Not the one who gives the vaccine. God is in charge. Dear brethren, we are responsible for what we teach others. We are responsible for the attitude we're passing on to others in the church. We are called to be sons of encouragement, not to pass on despair and fear in the name of fake spirituality. What is Jesus doing then for his body at the moment? Sleeping? Just letting the whole body of Christ to take the mark of the beast? No. We have the seal of God. Remember, even during the great tribulation itself, during the great tribulation itself, the Lord will stop all the calamity for a while, the Bible says, and begin to seal with the name of God 144,000 Jewish believers in Christ and putting on them the seal of God. Whilst the whole world will take the mark of the beast. Even in the great tribulation. How much more now. For the current believers. Let's be careful with what we say. We're supposed to bring hope to this world. We're supposed to, 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 to explain clearly these things. To explain that those who will take the mark of the beast will go to hell. As simple as that. Not my word, it's in the Bible. No redemption for them. And guess what? It will be a voluntary act. In the same way we freely receive Jesus Christ, people will receive the Antichrist and worship him. Because those who will refuse and resist, 
they will be killed. So it's a voluntary act. And the world, our world is being conditioned and prepared for that demonic activity. There will be an intense activity in this world. Dear brethren, we need to pray for those in authority. As I was looking at uh, doing a bit of research here and there, you can see the contradicting story. In May, the BBC declared that there will not be compulsory vaccine. By the time we get to October, November, there was a discussion between the difference between compulsory and uh, what's the other one? Compulsory and uh, which one? No. Mandatory. Thank you very much, sister. Yes. Now there is a discussion. What is mandatory? What is compulsory now? All confusing everybody. By the time we get to yesterday, it's something else. <laughs> You've heard what is happening in Denmark. In Denmark now, the discussion is to replace an emergency law by what they call epidemic law with a possibility for the police to force people to take it. And I've just heard somewhere in this country that that as well is being considered. <laughs> Something like that is being considered. So we've gone from a health act which clearly said that you cannot force someone to take a treatment in this country. And that included you could not force anybody to take a vaccination in this country. In England and Wales. And that was lately extended to Scotland and Northern Ireland. It is in the law. But who cares about that? See why I was telling you that you can't get away with that thing. Let me get back to what I'm supposed to be teaching this morning. The Antichrist is the opposite and ultimate enemy of Jesus Christ. No anti-Krishna, no anti-Buddha, no anti-Muhammad, anti-Christ. The book of Daniel foretold the coming of a final persecutor who would speak great word against the Most High and wear out the saint of the Most High and think to change times and law. That's Daniel 7, verse 25. Many people agree that the prophecy in the book of Daniel referred to a contemporary Hellenistic ruler well, I've heard many people saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, the prophecy in, in Daniel referred to Antiochus Epiphany, Antiochus the fourth Epiphanes, you know, that's past, because Daniel spoke of the abomination of desolation. Yeah, but what about Jesus Christ referring to that and looking to the future? Jesus Christ said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel, he's speaking the future. So it's not a past event. And he says, sitting in the temple and declare, declaring himself God. And that's what we found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
that the Antichrist will exalt himself and ask to be worshipped as God above anything that is worshipped and declared to be God. So you see, it's not just a past event in the Old Testament, it's also an event to come. The Antichrist will seek to be worshipped. But in that, as we read, will be aided by the false prophets. A good brother sent me uh, a video yesterday of uh, a bunch, a corporation of false prophets. Toward the end of 2019, they were prophesying, telling everybody that 2020 will be wonderful. You'll be wonderful. A good birthday, about 20 or 25. Great prophets. And someone has had that brilliant idea to put all that together and so that we can check them out. Wonderful? I don't think there's one person who thinks 2020 has been wonderful. But they're still there. They're still on YouTube making money. And people are still flocking and following them false prophet. And that is preparing and conditioning people to a spectacular, unprecedented context that will come. Remember what I told you previously. The Antichrist will try to reproduce what I call the person specification of the Messiah as given in Isaiah 61. Miracle. Raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, etc., etc. So all these false prophets are preparing people to that. Because ultimately, it will be the false prophet who is most likely to be from Israel because there's no prophet to be received as a prophet outside Israel for the Antichrist to sit in the temple, there must be some connection of someone who will convince others to bring him in the temple. But I don't think the Antichrist will be from Israel. But I think there is a great probability that the false prophet could come from Israel, as there has been false prophet in the days of the, the true prophets but we'll see. A quick comparison between the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. In the book of Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation 13, you find this parallel. Daniel 7, 7. The beast that Daniel saw, I'm talking about the fourth beast, Remember those four kingdoms, those four kingdoms? I'm talking about the last one, the terrifying one. That beast had ten horns. Revelation 13, 1, the Antichrist, ten horns, the beast. Daniel 7, 8, that beast was arrogant. The same Revelation 13, verse 5, 
blasphemy, Daniel 7.25, Revelation 13.6. The beast make war with the saints, Daniel 7.25, Revelation 13, verse 7. The timing of the events, Daniel 7.25 speaks of time, times, and half the times. It's a prophecy, prophecy, imagery, a time, times, and half a time. One year, two years, and half a year. Three and a half years, 42 months, 1260 days. It's more precise in the book of Revelation. That's Daniel 7.25 and Revelation 13, verse 5. So clearly, it refers to the same events. Now, when you read Daniel 7, you find some seeming contradiction. For instance, the description and the order of the apparition of the beast, when you read in Revelation, you have them in reverse orders. The reason is very simple. Daniel was looking forward, and here the event is actually happening. So there is a, a retrospective picture and prospective picture referring to the same events. <clears throat> the clearest picture I can find in the scripture about the Antichrist, the mechanism of his appearing is in 2 Thessalonians without being named specifically as the Antichrist, why don't we turn to it? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and we read from verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, all that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, sign, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth. Once again, it is very, very specific 
How can someone who is filled with the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, fall prey so easily of false prophet? How is that possible? Isn't the spirit of God supposed to lead us in all truth? And convict us of the truth, of sin, and of judgment? How can people full of the spirit of God fall so easily prey of false prophets and delay in fake, false, counterfeit miracles? How is that possible? Because this passage is telling me that these are people who did not believe the truth, did not receive the saving truth of God. Well, we should be encouraged by these things. That if we remain in the truth of God and we grow in the saving knowledge of Christ, then we are secure in Christ. There is no other way. That's why the Lord is saying. So that we should not be tossed to and fro and carried away by every wind of doctrine. But that we will grow to become mature believers, not going round and round like babies. No, we're supposed to grow and to become solid in the Lord by his grace. That's the only way we can escape. In the same way we've been talking about the body of Christ, some people have spoken, have been talking about the body of the Antichrist. I.e., we know the Bible says that uh, um, there are many Antichrists. There is the Antichrist who is coming, but the Bible says many Antichrists have come in this world. So it's not wrong for people who have tried in the past believers to discern, to identify who was the Antichrist. Some have said the Roman emperors, some have said Nero, some have said uh, Domitian, some have said Hitler, they've come up with calculation, etc. because the Bible allows ask us to, require, to request wisdom from God and to work out to calculate the number of the beast. And some people have come up with uh, Hitler, etc. so many names. But all those people have some characteristics of the coming Antichrist. And it's not false. It's not wrong. Because the Bible says many Antichrists are operating already. And some people have referred to that move as the body of the Antichrist. Until the main Antichrist will appear. They are already working towards that purpose. And you can see the hatred towards God. The hatred towards the church and the believers. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. What else can we say? I'll just keep all this. Yes. 
When you look at Revelation chapter 11, I was looking into that and I was thinking myself, I don't understand, I'm a bit lost. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 7. Revelation chapter 11, verse 7. When they finish, these are the two witnesses, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Well, I was wondering myself, but who is this beast here? The beast that ascend out of the bottomless pits. But I thought the Antichrist was rising out of the sea. But this one is rising out of the bottomless pits. And it doesn't seem to be the false prophet who is rising out of the earth. Is this a third beast? The Bible itself gives an answer. If you look carefully, Revelation 13, verse 1, yes, it says, Then I stood on the sands of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out, out of the sea. So one may ask this question. This one is rising out of the sea. That one out of the bottomless pit. What is happening here? Turn with me to Revelation 17, please. Revelation 17, and look at verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. Becomes a bit clearer now. It's clearer. So you see, this, bit, this beast here in Revelation 17 is the one upon which Babylon the Great, the woman, is rising, is riding. So it is the Antichrist. So the beast spoken of in Revelation 11 is the Antichrist. The reason why this time is coming out of the pit is because of the parody of resurrection. The beast that was and is not and is again. The beast that was wounded, one of the head, disappears and then come back again and everybody say, here is the Messiah. So is the same. But in two different contexts important to look at those things because the critics of the Bible will come with those kind of things and will throw in, your, in, your, in, our, in our face and say, how do we explain that? So the Bible itself gives the answer. I was interested in that. Now, what else can we say to conclude then? Yes. We are called to pray for those in authority. We really have to pray for those in authority. Remember the Bible says that in the latter time people will give heed 
to seducing spirits and demons. You see, you wonder what's happening with the authority. How come the authority? They seem to be all going in the same way. Nobody can stop. Nobody. What is happening? I suggest, dear brethren, you turn with me to Revelation 16 and read this passage with me. Revelation 16, verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirit of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God the Almighty. So they are special demonic spirits who are in charge of influencing authorities to lead the whole world in rebellion against God. Do you understand the reason why we need to pray into these things? Those people are bound under demonic influences. The church has the responsibility because we understand these things and we marvel and we want, what is going on? We shouldn't. We are supposed to understand these things. These are specific spirits. Their ministry is to gather those people and spread rebellion against God. Have you noticed where the spirit came from? Out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet, satanic trinity at work. The father of lies, the devil, the son of perdition, and the spirit of error. Dear brethren, these are not cheap, discount, and small things. These are big things. You know, we should not compromise. We should not joke with these things, you know, and give heed to, you know, fabricated speculation online here and there and, and scare people. These are, you know, world shaking and shaping events to come. And we have the plan. And because we have the plan, the mind of God has been given to us, our attitude should be different. When we look at all these things, what do we expect from the media? The truth? And we wake up and say, they've done it again. They've confused us. What do we expect? You have the plan Remember that song? Though the world contained a plan they just could not understand, you have the plan. The news only confirms what is here. Let me hide myself in thee. If we hide in Christ, and what does the Bible say? Those who have this hope in them purify themselves as he himself is holy. And having all this marvelous promise, the Bible says, let us cleanse ourselves from any uncleanness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting the holiness in the fear of God. That's the attitude of those who are waiting Jesus Christ. 
You see, the Apostle Paul is saying this because we've been sealed with and by the Spirit of God for the day of redemption, therefore, we should not play with sin. All those things have a purifying effect on those who are waiting Jesus Christ. In Isaiah verse, chapter 57, verse 20, the Bible speaks of uh, troubled water. Those are riots and ease, crisis upon crisis, which will demand a worldwide global leadership which will ultimately lead everybody to rebellion against God. Exactly what happened in Genesis 11. People were doing whatever they purpose to do against God. That's where we're going. That's where the world is going. But you believe in Christ. You have been saved. You're not a demon worshiper. We worship God. You have the spirit of God. Whatever happens, cling on to the Lord. Do not give in to the spirit of fear. If it comes, it comes. Cling on to the Lord. He knows what is happening. I always say there is a, in heaven, there is heavenly peace. God is in charge. It's time for practical faith. If you believe that God is real, if you believe that God will keep you in perfect peace, if you believe that God will keep you to the end, then behave accordingly. Amen. We will have to stop there because time is up. Be strengthened in his might. Be encouraged. Do not give in to fear. Jesus is coming to take his church, his body. He is purifying his church right now. He is the sustainer of all things. And I can tell you because the Bible says it, Jesus Christ will defeat the Antichrist. Do you know what? There will not be war. The Bible says by the breath of his mouth. By the brightness of Jesus Christ appearing, appearing, the Antichrist will be defeated. He and the false prophet will be the first residents in hell. Babylon the Great, the Babylonian system, we don't have time to get into that, will be defeated as well. Satan, death, Hades will be defeated. Dear brethren, you have chosen the best part. Cling on to it. Trust the Lord. Stay on the Bible. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and wait Jesus Christ. I suggest that we stand before the final prayer and we sing our final hymn, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah.